0: Hello there, and welcome to episode 68 of the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. My name is Gary Turner, and I'm your host of this podcast. During this episode, we've got the superb Minda Hearts. So, Minda is the author of a new book that comes out in eight days' time on the date that this podcast is released, called The Memo. She's also a podcast host herself um, of Secure the Seat. And a couple of the key takeaways that I really wanted to share with you in advance of you listening to this conversation is that Minda cites Martin Luther King Jr. that many leaders just use rhetoric, but other leaders take action. As allies, we need to lean in and to the action. I think that's really, really powerful, and I think that goes across all walks of life. And in, in addition, Minda speaks to the fact that in order for us to be vulnerable, we have to be empathetic. We have to see things through other people's eyes. So this gives you a measure of the type of conversation we're gonna have today. So please do join us, I hope you enjoy it. And as always, we would appreciate your feedback and please do look for the link um, in the show notes where you can buy the book, The Memo, which comes out on the 20th of August. Thanks. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity and I'm really grateful to welcome Minda Hearts onto the podcast this evening UK afternoon I think in the US. Minda is it afternoon or evening?
1: It's 5 30 ish here okay. p.m.
0: <laughs> so in between. So, so thank you for joining us today if you're listening. So Minda is author of What appears to be a fantastic book called The Memo, which comes out very, very soon, which is around what women of color need to know to secure a seat at the table. She also hosts a podcast and is also founder CEO of The Memo and also an adjunct professor at NWY. So thank you so much for joining me, Minda.
1: Thank you for having me, Gary.
0: Well, as we get going, I'd really appreciate if you wouldn't mind just taking a few moments just to give my listeners... Who've kind enough to join us there A little bit more background. So, who is Minda? What What is your background, and what is your passion and purpose for the book? What are you hoping to achieve with that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, and I just love um, the title, the name of your podcast, because it, at least in the United States, if you're following right now, we need all the humanity uh, possible. So it's important <laughs> that we talk about these things. Um, but for me, I spent 15 years in corporate and profit roles, and I was often the only woman of color in in the office that was in a professional role and after a while it just becomes isolating and a lot of the conversations or the way you might feel uh, you don't have anyone to talk to about them and so maybe in 2015 I decided that I wanted to create a platform which is my uh, company The Memo that addresses the issues that women of color face in the workplace uh, because oftentimes due to systemic issues, we face some different challenges than other women. And so I wanted to be able to address those. And so that's what I started doing in 2015. And then from there, I had the opportunity to write the book and produce the podcast and and teach at NYU. And it's just, I'm just so happy that a lot of women of color will feel seen in career books because typically um, our experiences are not written in that way. And those who will consider themselves allies they'll learn what it's like for us to show up as the only one. And I think that that'll be a really great way for us to have real conversations with one another.
0: Yeah, it's really powerful because I think again, for me as you know, I, found I always sound a little bit embarrassed by it, but it's fine. I'm dealing with it now, but like the whole point of being a man with white skin, like I didn't realize what the lack of boundaries or barriers that I experience that I don't experience compared to people of color. And I think I'm I'm just still experiencing, like I'm still growing, I'm still learning, I'm still wondering what that means. So do you mind speaking a little bit about when you talk about an ally, Minda, uh, Minda, what does that mean to you? What does an ally look like to sort of make the the world of work more inclusive for for everybody, particularly uh, women of color?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm so happy that we're using language like that because I think that for a long time there wasn't a word for it. And so I think it's important that we have that language to say, okay, I want to support you in however way I can, right? And so I think that it's important and I can be an ally and you can be an ally because there's always people who need that support. But I think it goes to another step that we need to take. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. He said that leaders, many leaders just use rhetoric, uh, but other leaders take action. And I think as allies, we have to lean into the action part and not just (laughs) rely on the rhetoric the badge of honor that we've given ourselves for being there for other people, but but actually taking that, that next step and having those tough conversations. Because I think we have to understand what it's like. I need to understand what it's like for you to walk in your shoes, Gary. And you have to understand what it's like for me to walk in mine. And then we can figure out how to help one another, but we can't just assume. Right. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, that, that's really interesting. But what I'm sensing is really that thing about empathy. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's actually, do we, give ourselves permission to stop and get off this rat race of reactivity and fast, fast, fast all the time to actually see each other almost in, to some extent.
1: Absolutely. I think you hit it on the head. It's the empathy. I think there's this empathy gap, right? We're running this rat race. We're all, you know, trying to make money, pay the bills, live life. And we don't necessarily stop and think, wow there's 200 people in this building and what would it be like for, for to be the only one of that thing right? or that person or that color or that um, orientation? And I don't think we stop and think what that must be like. And, and we can say the pretty things like, Oh, we're colorblind or, you know, that doesn't happen around here. But the, the reality is we, we can't, everyone doesn't experience the workplace the same. And I think once we can realize that, and acknowledge that, then we can really start to heal and help one another.
0: It's really, it's really interesting. So we're off already though, I Minda. Mean, no, this is exciting for me because, <laughs> no, but really, because I think, you know, I talk about inclusion from my lens. You've got your lens. I notice actually we share a common contact in Nilo for Merchant as well. He talks a lot about sort of onliness and, and that great work as well. And what I'm sensing is there's a real, there seems to be quite a movement now of people actually trying to see the individual And not just group another person, Mm -hmm. a person of color or someone that's transgender or someone that's white into a bucket of people. Is that something that's come up in your research and your work for your new book out of interest?
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think that's the key, too. So my book title is What Women of Color Need to Know to Secure a Seat at the Table. But even in that, I can't speak for every woman of color. I can't speak for every black woman. Right. All of our experiences are very different, but they're awesome are some common themes that I've early reviews that I've received from women who've read the book who are not of color. And they're like, you know, what? at the core of it, we still want the same things out of the workplace. We still want the the same, we still have the same aspirations to move forward. And I think once we can see each other as individuals, right? And in my book, I talk about shifting this jargon of allyship to success partners. What would it look like if you and I partner together on this road to success what you know that activation period yes we can identify that here's how we're going to work together number two what is our intent and number three what is that activation that will really put us toward that path of true partnership
0: that's lovely i'm going to come back to the book if i may with you minda shortly but i'm really interested just to dive back a little bit into your sort of education actually because i noticed from your background that you actually did medicine we did pre-medicine initially, then you went into, you know, a whole range of other, what seems to be like public sectors, clearly a very giving, like say, not-for-profit type angle to you. What happened with the medicine? Was that something that was like a big passion of yours from early? Is that, does that still inform?
1: <laughs> it was early on, uh, but it, you know, I think you just, you start to find what you're really good at and what you sort of, you tend to lean into. And I found that helping people and the philanthropic side of the work that I do was much more my passion right the other side I think I was originally driven by the monetary value that you <laughs> can have. but then after you you know you have a little taste of it you realize you know what there's there's more to life and how can I continue to legacy build for not just for myself but for others
0: uh, it's, it's so powerful and, and again it's something that comes up for me I, I notice as well from your background Minda that you also do volunteering as well and I'm really interested again I think it's gonna be some link to your work in the book and we'll go there again shortly but you do some volunteering with General Assembly. And I really like, um, as part of your background, you speak about helping young people develop in-demand skills. Is that correct?
1: Yes, I think it's so important that, you know, a lot of what we do, for those who have quote-unquote made it or, you know, we're pretty well off in our careers, we often don't share the secret sauce to what it was that got us there. And I think it's so important that we pay it forward um, and not just, in monetary, but in knowledge, right, and expertise, and I think that there's a lot of those individuals that are coming behind us that could use the institutional knowledge that folks like you and I have um, that could really help them have a sustainable career, and I think that some of those soft skills they may not know about, right, and so I think that it's so important for us to have these conversations, these intergenerational conversations, again, not that silo, right, we can be allies to the next generation and just the same
0: and what are some of those what are you seeing from that volunteering work what are some of the most common or most important for you in demand skills when you're working in that space and how do they translate into the the sort of real world of work as well
1: you know one of the things that i see so i do volunteer work with <clears throat> um i live in new york city and so i do a lot of work with the public school district and so i work with young students but then also through the work at General Assembly, um, young adults who are, you know, trying to find their footing in the career, and then I also do some volunteer with uh, women who were formerly incarcerated, and so they're getting out to try to figure out, you know, what's next uh, in their life. And so one of the common themes of all of those different demographics is the self-advocacy and the worth, right? Oftentimes we think that we're not worthy of these opportunities, or we don't have what it takes. Uh, And I think we just have to, that confidence factor, that is something that uh, we have to just encourage one another. And I think we all find ourselves with that imposter syndrome at times. And I think that is a common theme. And if you don't believe in yourself, it's going to prohibit you from having the career that you, you've dreamed about having, right? So it's having that, that conversation, Shane, that, Hey, bet on yourself. This is important. You deserve it.
0: Oh God, I'm actually spine tingling as you speak about that because you know, myself, you know um, I had so I've got bullied psychologically physically aged 12 13 myself and it took me probably 30 years Minda literally two years ago before I started going actually I'm going to talk about this part of the reason this mm-hmm. podcast exists is to help be a platform for people regardless of their background orientation to talk about these sort of topics because if we don't make young people realize it's okay to talk about emotion and vulnerability and courage and inclusion like we're onto a hiding to nothing I think so like, I'm so impressed by what you're doing It's so powerful
1: Thank you. And I think it's important. I think that vulnerability is so important. Um, many of you may be familiar with Brene Brown's work, but you know she does a lot with vulnerability. And I was so thankful when I came across her TED talk so many years ago because that we are taught that we shouldn't talk about our feelings. We shouldn't lean into that part of ourselves. But I think the holistic part of us is in order for us to be vulnerable, we have to be empathetic, right? And so there's some things, some work that we have to do within ourselves so that we can be better allies to one another.
0: And, and isn't that interesting? I, I find it really, really powerful actually, that if we strip out just for a second, you know, sort of all of the isms, whether it be racism, sexism, you know, ageism, we are all actually of equal, that, that, back to your point about worth, and I've only started mm-hmm. thinking this myself the last couple of years, we are of all equal value not monetary, like human value, every single right. one of us. And I never felt that till two years ago. And it's, it's quite empowering, isn't it, when you actually genuinely believe that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was one of the main things, the reasons why I really wanted to write the book too, because I felt like oftentimes through my travels and conversations that I'd meet so many black and brown women who just didn't feel like they were worthy enough sometimes because of the systems that have been in place that have not advanced them. And after you spend your time in those environments you start to believe it right and sometimes we do need somebody to come along and say hey no just because it's been this way doesn't mean that this is right (laughs) and so there's room for growth um for all of us
0: and if you're looking at the book because i'm as you know i had mine on pre-order so go out anybody (laughs) listening go and get your copy
1: yes Um, yes thank you
0: (laughs) Were there any sort of findings from your work that surprised you? Was there anything that you sort of went, oh, wow, I wasn't quite expecting that? Or maybe there was maybe something that was more saturated in your findings that was sort of surprised you. Is there anything that came up for you like that? That was a bit unusual.
1: Yeah. So the reason why I wrote the book initially, I mean, I started my company first because I was going through a really rough time in the workplace, um, a very toxic work environment. And once I started to um, talk to other women about the, some of the things that they're going through this whole idea of being in isolation and questioning yourself. I thought that was just something that I was dealing with, but I found that so many women, regardless of the industry um, that happened to identify as black or Brown, they were experiencing the same thing. And to push it a little further, um, I talk about about this in the book, but the whole kind of like PTSD situation, like feeling like when you've, been through like an emotional type of war and I and I talk about some of the moral injuries that those who've been at war feel that shame um and uh maybe even some self lacking self-confidence just some of these different things that attribute to like really hard traumatic situations when you've dealt with that in the workplace and many of us even if you're not of color you may have gone through something traumatic Uh, That's happened in the workplace. And when you go to the next job, you're still holding on to that baggage, right? You're still seeing yourself in that same way and that could be relationship, whatever the case may be. And I just found that there was so much of this anxiety from every job that they were kind of traveling to like wondering Would they be enough and that was something that I struggled with but I only thought I was struggling with it and I came to find that was like a real common theme
0: Well And what's the in terms of the solutions for that for you, and in terms of the recommendations that you would make to organisations listening to us right now, or leaders, what are sort of one or two? I don't want to say quick wins, but how can someone start to step into being allies or to create the safe environment that we can start to have the conversation you and I are having more widely?
1: Yeah, you know, I think for for starters, I do think, and I'm not just saying this, but I think buying the book and reading it as a leader and seeing okay. Let me educate myself first, and then I can go and have a conversation instead of you know going to this person who de- maybe doesn't identify the way I do, and that not just with this book, but say if your um, gender you know identity or any of the thing that those who might be disabled, like reading up, educating ourselves with some baseline facts and fundamentals, and then creating those dialogues and conversations, but I think at least come to the table with a little something (laughs) to contribute and and um, I think that that is uh, because I think the person who has been in isolation they're always the one that has to do the educating and I think if we can do some education self-education first and then I think it'd be easier to have a conversation.
0: That's really interesting what's coming up for me Mindu as you speak about that is something there about courage there's something about going first as a leader or as a peer to actually say that I don't understand fully what you're going through or what your journey is, but I'm interested, I'm curious, and do you mind if I ask you some questions? How, for someone that may be like myself, why it's mm-hmm. used to doing that, what's some sort of steps or questions, or is it literally just saying, look, can I please understand? Is it as simple as that, Minda, as a starting point?
1: You know, so one of the things, at least in the States, that um, during my research too, that I found that a lot of women of color, Um, they're just kind of not many, not all of us, but many uh, are at a point where they're just tired of always telling you what to do. (laughs) And, um, and so it's an individual thing. But I think for me, what I tell those, um, you know, white men that I do a lot of consulting with, I say, you know, it's like anything else. It's relationship building, start to build relationships with people. And then you start to have some of those heavier conversation, but you can't just start, you know, see me in the elevator and be like, I need to know this, this, and this, what's your experience, you know, get to know me, let's go to coffee, let's converse. We might both find out that we really love watching BBC or something. You know what I mean? On Tuesday nights, let's start with some common things that we might like and then build from there. Someone doesn't always want to feel as though, and this is with anything uh, that you're only talking to them because you just want, something right but I think that the more we have these conversations we both can learn like where did where do these ideologies stem from
0: that is so so powerful I, I, it's so so powerful the reason I'm pausing Minda is it's just such an incredibly powerful statement because again if we just drop the thinking and I'm challenging myself here as well like if we just stop seeing a barrier which is the color of our skin or someone that looks different to us and just going at a human human level
1: Mm-hmm.
0: it's just a lot more straightforward isn't it?
1: <laughs> it is because at the, I mean we all are humans right and just like you like to for someone to get to know you I want someone to get to know me right and and I don't want it to just be about I think the fatigue uh, that people of color feel when they're educating non people of color is that the only time we're being asked about something is you know race related and I think establishing that, those relationships, those real relationships with people, uh, then you're going to have those conversations, then you feel comfortable, then you won't feel awkward asking about, you know, is this appropriate or not? Um, And again, regardless of this, something that I'm doing right now, in all transparency, is I'm not as familiar and well-versed about um, those who identify as transgender. So I am reading about those things. I am, you know, watching different documentaries. I'm trying to educate myself before I start, before I beat someone. And I'm like, you know, tell me all these things and this and this, this. (laughs) you know, at least be able to have some kind of education behind it. And then just like any other human being, you get to know people. And I think back to your point of this overthinking, right? Like when I go to Minda. What am I going to say to her? You talk to me just like I would. Just like I would talk to you. (laughs) right? (laughs) So,
0: Do you know something though? I think that word is a really, really important one for anyone that's listening to us to hear. Overthinking. Like, it is definitely one of the biggest... Like, I remember, so I overthought myself into a burnout three years ago. I used to think it was the outside world, someone else caused it. But what I realized is all my own thinking inside. And I think if anyone's listening to us now, I really hope they take that point away that so much of what's going on around the self-worth piece for me anyway, and I'm interested in your, point, your view here, Minda, a lot of it's thought created. You know, it's not mm. actually someone that said something necessarily. It's what we tell ourselves about ourselves. That's why the worth piece sometimes is a challenge.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, in my book, I talk about this empire state of mind versus an enemy state of mind. And we can choose which route we want to take with ourselves, you know, do we want to be our worst enemy or do we want to have an empire state of mind, building, you know, bigger than life. And and oftentimes, like you said, it's what we tell ourselves that can create either path.
0: I have now got that song in my mind. You do know that.
1: <laughs> That's the point, you keep that there. You, you continue to think think of yourself in the biggest way possible.
0: <laughs> That's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Um. In terms of just come back to the theme of the podcast well around the vulnerability piece, what does it mean to you as men to be vulnerable generally? You know, how would you describe it if you speak to somebody else who isn't used to being vulnerable or they're like, what are you talking about? You know, how would what, what does it mean to you to be vulnerable?
1: Yeah, I definitely grew up with the thought process that as a black woman that one of the stereotypes is that, you know, you gotta be a strong black woman and so vulnerability wasn't something that I was very comfortable doing, but I'd say since I started doing more of the advocacy work, it required me to share my stories when I meet other women and I'm talking, right. And they're sharing their stories. I can't just be cold. And, you know, even though if I did experience similar things, I have to also tap into that. So over the last, you know, five years, it's been, I sometimes look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, who is this woman? Because I've leaned into something that I, used to not be so comfortable with and even to be honest with you this my book comes out in the world soon and that that was the most vulnerable I have ever been in my whole entire life and so I'll let you know after August 20th how I really feel about it but <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do feel like in order to really get at the human aspect and get to know people you have to have a little skin in the game and, and people need to understand where you're coming from and vice versa. No I, 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 that's,
0: that's, that's so powerful I've God, I see you're such an inspiration, Minda. Already, I'm just like <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> you're flooring me a little bit. It's brilliant. Um, in in terms of courage as a topic, so I know it's a little bit of a flip side. It's very closely linked to vulnerability. How can people step into their courage? Do you feel, and whether you're a person of colour, whether you're someone that's not, and you're just trying to engage in this conversation. You know what? What is it that people can do? Really simple wins. I, you've spoken about people. So doing a bit of research, coming in sort of armed with some sort of information. Is there anything else people can be can be doing?
1: Um, you know, I think courage is um, a beautiful thing, and I think when we learn to lean into our courage and stop being cautious, then uh, we can really see a, a change in the world. And I think I see each of us, Gary, as leaders. Uh, we're leaders in some way, shape, or form, and I feel like we do ourselves a disservice when we don't lean into courage, right? And that's to have those courageous conversations that's to live our authentic, authentic lives, whatever that might mean to you. But the one thing that I think helps me be courageous in whatever decisions I make is knowing that they're as a leader, knowing that there's a generation that's counting on me, counting on you that's coming behind us to lean into our courage. And we have to make decisions so that we leave the world better for them. And so when I think about all the people that came before us that, um, it, the Webster's dictionary says cautious is danger right um you, you don't want to get get into a danger mode and i think if we think about all the people who were cautious we probably don't know their names but you think but we know the people who were courageous right but they had they were in the same danger mode of having those two crossroads being courageous or being cautious and i think when we think about ourselves what do we want to leave behind it's that legacy building and i think we owe it to ourselves and and future and future generations. exactly what you're doing by having a podcast like you like you do is leaning into that courage and and sometimes we n- may not feel good about it but we know that it's helping not just ourselves but it's helping countless other people if that makes
0: sense no i i, I genuinely feel that's really really powerful and, and again you know I've, I've woken up i'm very guilty of this myself in literally the last three years i've up until three years ago, Minda, I was the guy that was striving a nice house, nice car, nice life. Everything the outside world tells you success looks like. And then you get to a point of going, oh, I've got it. And now I feel soulless, literally soulless. So like that materialism versus legacy, I think is really quite um, something for us all to be considering, seriously.
1: Yeah, Absolutely.
0: Why did you, out of interest, start your podcast? Because you've done quite a lot. It's really, it really made me smile. I, I I had really enjoyed listening to some of yours the last couple of weeks. I was like, we more or less started like within a month of each other. It's really bizarre.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, you know, it's back to the the legacy building. I just, I want to be able to leave behind a body of work that that people see themselves in the stories being told in the conversations that uh, are being had. It's not something that I had when I was building my career. And so that access is so important. So rather you find my work with my company or I'm people have me come and speak at, at their companies or, you know, you're a student in one of my classes. I do all this work because I think it's so important that folks have access to good information and you never know where people are going to find it. And so some people find you, as you probably find, they might find you on social media. They might find you on, on your podcast, but having those intersection points where uh, people can continue to have the conversations that maybe we wouldn't have had otherwise.
0: That's one of the beautiful things now, isn't it about technology? I know there's a lot of, a lot of noise around social media. And yes, of course it, <laughs> it could be nasty, but I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm an optimist. I don't know about, are you an optimist or...
1: I'm an optimist it's been a better I've had way better experience on social media than than the stories of not you know um it brings people like us who live in uh, two different countries together right talking on a on a Thursday evening
0: (laughs) (laughs) that wouldn't happen 20 years ago let's be honest (laughs) no that wouldn't And do you have any plans? And I'm, I'm being selfish now, asking the question. Do you have any plans to come to Europe at all? Or is, 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 in terms of once the book's launched, is there any plans for speaking gigs or any tours this side of the pond?
1: I hope so. Um, I really do. So if 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 you're listening and you want to get me to the other side of the world, then I'd love that. <laughs> no, I would love to come over to the UK. I do have. When I look at the demographics for people who um, like listen to the podcast and uh, some of the content that we do, I do have um, a nice group of folks uh, in the UK that listen. Um, so it would be nice to come and, and meet you face to face, Gary.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to that. There's a the challenge. The gauntlet is laid down. The gauntlet is laid down. <laughs> um, just as, we, as we look to wrap up now, Minda, what is the, so remind us when the book comes out, when is it, was it officially launched?
1: August 20th, uh, 2019, Uh, it's available on pre-order, but wherever you'd like to buy your books.
0: Absolutely fantastic, and in terms of, so you've spoken a little bit about what you want to achieve with it, but you know, if you look at that legacy piece, because I really see that strong legacy piece for you, what are you hoping people are saying about, not just you, but also that book in 10 years, 20 years time, what are you hoping the conversation is going to be around that? Uh,
1: Two things, so one of the things that Um, in the publishing industry there's not a lot of black authors that get book deals for business career books and so I hope that the legacy is that I opened the door that I did show that there is um, a market for for this type of content and so that would open the door to others who have thought knowledge and thought leadership to talk to about other aspects of business that look like me so that's one but two that people were able to have that empire state of mind that regardless of the color of their skin or um, sex, age, whatever the case may be, that you know there's a seat for you whatever at whatever table you decide to sit at. And I think it's part of that self-advocacy. Sometimes many of us work at a certain place for so long and we're never going to get what we want out of that. But that doesn't mean that your career ends. It means that you just have to find the right place or create the own place that works for you. And so I hope that, i that this book will have birthed something inside of people to realize that that they're the prize that they can bet on themselves for more
0: wow that is that is powerful I'm gonna, i mean we need we need to keep our podcast going for a decade so we can review that uh that topic in 10 years Minda.
1: <laughs> yes i hope so <laughs> um
0: and just finally for me I, I like to ask this of my guests who or what is inspiring you right now outside of your book coming out the work that you're doing who or what is inspiring you in the world right now and it doesn't have to be grand it could just be anything it could be local it could be big just interested
1: you know I'm really inspired just by good people like yourself like I have people who will reach out to me and they'll just say the nicest things and I think in a world where sometimes we might feel like we're on our own that there's there's good people out there and I'm just um, really inspired by gratitude and generosity. And so um, if we keep those pillars as part of our our everyday walk, um, you can always find some inspiration in that. So whenever someone is generous, uh, that just inspires me to keep being generous too.
0: That is stunning. Well, you've got my little hairs on the end going again. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) Blow my mind, blow my mind. Thank you so much for joining me, Minda. How can people who are listening, connects with you, find out more about you, what are the best mediums to get in contact with you? So
1: LinkedIn, uh, Minda Hearts, but also I'm most active, as Gary knows, on Twitter, uh, at Minda
0: Hearts. (laughs) Perfect. Well, look, best of luck with the book. I'm sure it's going to be a success, and I really appreciate you joining me tonight.
1: Thank you so much. I enjoy the conversation.
0: Take care. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Hi there, just podcast ghost Gary Turner here, wrapping up this fantastic conversation with Minda Hearts. Just wanted to share a few of my other key takeaways. So one of those would have been, Minda Cited that everyone doesn't experience the workplace the same. Once we realise and acknowledge that, we can start to heal and help one another. I think this is a really powerful statement which speaks to the lack of individualization of work more generally, which is even further amplified for people of colour. Uh, She she also spoke about that women of colour can take so much anxiety from job to job, um, travelling around wondering if they would ever be good enough. I think we all need to be mindful um, as leaders, but also as colleagues within work organisations, is there are those socialised barriers, they do exist, um, and we need together um, to work with one another to try and break them down. Um, I liked Minda talking about that when we learn to lean into our courage and stop being cautious, then we can really see a change in the world. We do ourselves a disservice when we don't lean into our courage. What's one thing you could be doing next week that maybe you're not, you're not having a conversation you need to have? Maybe it's a dream that you've got that you're not taking a step towards. What's, the things that, what's one thing you could take a baby step towards following this podcast to help you step into your courage? I also enjoyed Minda talking about the empire state of mind versus enemy state of mind. We can choose which route we want to talk with ourselves it is a choice. It's, it's quite hard at times. You know, I myself definitely was stuck in the victim mindset for a long, a long period of time. But ultimately, it is, all on, it is all on us. If you're listening to this now, it is all on you. It's all on me. It's all on all of us as to how we manage our own mindset. And we can either be a victim or we can have an empire state of mind, as Minda speaks to, which is where we just look for the positive and we just keep moving forward. And finally, she speaks about shifting jargon from allyship to success partners. Now, I'm still learning about what allyship actually means. So I've been grateful to Minda to educate me on that today. Um, but I love this point around how, how will we work together? What is our intent? What is the activation that will put us on, on the, towards the path of true partnership? So I think the other thing that I've learned from speaking to Minda today is actually to do the research. So I've been curious in the past. I've intentionally tried to meet people that don't look like me. But I haven't always done the research, tried to understand from a bit of background reading what some of these challenges are of our time around uh, the range of isms that exist. So do lean in, but lean in from a place of at least effort and trying to know a little bit more about the topic rather than just putting uh, people, women of colour in particular, on the spot um, and getting them to have to explain to us, um, the rest of us, (laughs) inverted commas, and as to the challenges they may be facing. So I hope that you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, would you please leave a rating on the yeah. iTunes podcast app. And until next time, I'm Gary Turner and you can find me at GaryTurner0 on Twitter and hope to speak to you soon.